Hello, and welcome to SJL Daily. I'm Sherry Dragovich, the Beauty and Arts Minister here at St. John. Today we are looking at Isaiah chapters 14 through 16. One of the things I love about Isaiah is how much of it is written in poetic form. More than overt telling could ever hope to express, the poetry gives image and movement to the prophecy found within Isaiah's scroll. In reading Isaiah, I don't simply learn head knowledge about God's disappointment and sadness over his people's disloyalty. I don't only comprehend in my mind his pronouncement of judgments over those nations who have acted wickedly. Rather, I find myself caught up in the continual flow and forward movement of our Lord's desire, his compassion, his grief, and his ensuing grace. Isaiah's poetry enfleshes the triune God in ways didactic prose could never accomplish. A particular instance of this in today's reading is Isaiah's oracle concerning Moab. Let's read together sections from the oracle. I will try and make note of where I'm at as I read. Chapter 15, verse 1, an oracle concerning Moab. Because Ar of Moab is laid waste in a night, Moab is undone. Because Ker of Moab is laid waste in a night, Moab is undone. He has gone up to the temple and to Dibon, to the high places to weep over Nebo, over Medaba, Moab wails. Verse 4, Heshbon and Eliel cry out. Their voice is heard as far as Jaez. Therefore the armed men of Moab cry aloud. His soul trembles. My heart cries out for Moab. Her fugitives flee to Zoar. Therefore I weep with the weeping of Jazer, the vine of Sibna. I drench you with my tears, O Heshbon and Eliel. For you, over your summer fruit and your harvest, the shout has ceased. And joy and gladness are taken away from the fruitful field. And in the vineyards no songs are sung, no cheers are raised, no treader treads out the wine in the presses. I have put an end to the shouting. Therefore, in my inner parts, I moan like a lyre from Moab and my inmost self for Kir Herket. This is the word of the Lord. After the harsh and vivid taunting toward Babylon and the condemning oracles against Assyria and Philistia, the oracle concerning Moab moves to a different rhythm, that of mourning and lament, a deep, unbearable, God-sized grief. Over and over we hear the Lord's anguish over Moab's destruction. My heart cries out for Moab. I drench you with my tears. My inner parts moan like a lyre for Moab. Like a parent in anguish over a child who has rejected the loving boundaries of home, or a spouse tormented by the crushing betrayal of his or her marriage partner, this is the guttural mourning of the Lord, groanings too deep for words. That particular place where the Holy Spirit alone intercedes. And this for a people not named as Yahweh's chosen ones? Yet the two are deeply connected. It was, after all, Lot's son, who was also his grandson, Moab, who became the Moabites. And it was Ruth, the Moabitess, who was King David's great-grandmother, and subsequently a direct ancestor of Jesus, our Messiah. When I read this lament over Moab, I can't help but recognize the Lord's grief as he looks back through Moab's ancestry to these beloveds and the way he has so purposefully, lovingly woven all of Moab into Israel's story, his story, for his redemptive purposes. I also recognize the Lord looking forward as well, making his deep grief one that is cradled in the arms of hope. Listen to how the Lord addresses Israel in the middle of the oracle in chapter 15, verses 3 through 5. 
give counsel, grant justice, make your shade like night at the height of noon, shelter the outcasts, do not reveal the fugitive, let the outcasts of Moab sojourn among you, be a shelter to them from the destroyer. When the oppressor is no more and destruction has ceased and he who tramples underfoot has vanished from the land, then a throne will be established in steadfast love and on it will sit in faithfulness in the tent of David, one who judges and seeks justice and is swift to do righteousness. There in the middle of the grieving oracle is hope. It isn't an airy-fairy hope. It is hope clothed in wise counsel and action. First, counseling Israel to embody hope to Moab in tangible ways, and then the Lord's own promise to establish a throne over Moab in steadfast love. It is the Messiah hope promised for Moab too. Finally, because of the image-bearing nature of the poetry in Isaiah, the oracle concerning Moab points me straight to the incarnate Christ and his own prophetic lament over Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house has left you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Matthew 23, 37 and 38. Do you hear the similarities? More importantly, do you see? I mean down in your deepest soul, see. The loving movement of the Lord who is always drawing himself toward you and drawing you toward him, singing his promise of hope and restoration, right into the center of your grieving, mournful places. Let's pray. Father, thank you for poetry in your word. Continue to breathe your life into our desolate places and remind us in our seasons of grief that you alone know the depth of our sorrow and you alone are the author of our restoration and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.